back once again. I'm Jake. I'm Greg. And I'm William. And we're joined here by Bethany Pickens. Ms. Pickens, would you like to introduce yourself and what you do as an artist? I'm Bethany Pickens. I am a Hyde Parker lifelonger. Um, I'm an artist educator um, and composer. You'll be hearing original music uh, if you come this afternoon to the DuSalva Museum at 2 o'clock at 740 East 56th place, you'll see my trio playing music from my debut CD and um, also some new new compositions. That's exciting. Um, you mentioned you're a lifelong Hyde Park. Yes. Um, what was it like to grow up in Hyde Park? Oh, it's, it was a wonderful experience um, for me. Um, the broad spectrum of people you encounter um, and um, the opportunities that were here as a result of that, um, being close to the beach area and on the campus of the University of Chicago, I actually live four blocks north of here. And um, my dad moved here, uh, the late, great Willie Pickens, a pianist. He moved here in 1958 and married my mom in 59. He was actually on his way to New York. And instead, uh, <laughs> they uh, fell in love, and he stayed here. And um, the first of two other siblings, where my brother and I are two years apart, he's two years younger. I have a sister, um, Karan, who is 14 years younger. My brother David and his wife, and, and my niece and nephew live in Washington D.C. But um, they were born here, so um, Chicago's uh, and. Hyde Park has been good to both my dad and I's career. Um, he um, was also uh, an educator as well. He taught for the Chicago Public Schools for 25 years as a band director, uh, retiring from Phillips. Um, he was the first band director at Kenwood Academy, which is also my alma mater and where I teach right now. I taught at Ray School for 17 years and there is now on that school, Ray School, a mural of my father. Mm. And on Kim Bark, starting at 55th, is Honorary Irma and Willie Pickens Way. I've seen that sign. Yeah. Yeah. What sparked you your interest in music? Did you always know you wanted to become a musician? Um, not as a career, but it was said that as early as 16 months, I demonstrated um, some intuitive musical aptitude rhythmically. Um, story goes um, from one of my musical uncles, Stu Katz, who was an attorney but a great musician as well. Um, he mentions my dad playing and I'm, I'm in the crib and I'm dancing. He goes, well, play a waltz, which is in three, four time. One, two, three, one, two. And I instantly go right into it in the, in the crib. So uh, <laughs> that's... Um, um, how the story goes and uh, everybody's sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what was it like to have Willie Pickens as your father growing up? How did he foster your development as an artist past you know, 16 months? Mm, well, I, I was always interested in music, but the practicing aspect wasn't, wasn't the fun part for me because I'm also athletic, so sports uh, was a tug and pull. But my dad was one of those who was very supportive of because I started creating music at an early age. 
And so he was very supportive of that. Matter of fact, the first time I heard some of my music on the radio, I was in third grade at a radio station called WBEE, which was a jazz radio station. Um, and so, but my mom on the other side was the one that was uh, tugging and pulling about, uh, you're gonna hate yourself if you don't practice because mm -hmm. I have so much, much talent. And talent can only take you so far. At some point, in the words of my dad, you're gonna have to buckle down. And, <laughs> and uh, so I started buckling down and it just became something I knew I wanted to do as a career like the summer of my sophomore year. Um, I was already teaching private piano lessons from my sister's friend who, my sister's 14 years younger than me, so she had friends who had siblings that the word got out that I played. And so I started, I started building a little following as far as teaching in high school. So I was, that's pretty much, I've only, I've only pretty much done music all my life. Um, and so, but the creative aspect, it was something that I really was pursuing. And so initially when I was in college, I was a composition major. And then William Ferris of the great William Ferris Carell um, left on sabbatical and I decided to switch majors. My mom was furious because she thought I was already a music ed major because that's the most practical major musically. I always try to guide my kids because you're going to always do some teaching, but you might as well get the credentials. And I wouldn't have the current position that I have right now if I didn't have an education degree. So. Um, you know, I'm still composing, but I don't, you know, I, you know, and I'm still performing. So the performing degree, I always try to steer kids away from because you're going to always perform, but you'll probably do some teaching too. Why not get the credentials so you can eat? <laughs> you know, because things, you know, like my parent, my mom and dad decided that they were going to, you know, have a traditional household. And so my mom was the home manager. And so my dad taught. And um, and I saw his schedule was as as a band director. Would he get up in the morning? Band practices, you know, you gotta get gotta get up in the morning. And at the same time, the training other people are athletic training. That's before school, and then school day, and then after school, he would teach at the American Conservatory of Music, and after that, play at a venue called the Jazz Showcase, which had music Tuesday through Sunday. So that schedule was. You know, was uh, that's a long day. Yes, a that's long, a long day. day. And um, but he he did that, and then he ended up um, teaching at Northern Illinois University for eighteen years. After that, which he would commute one one day a week. That, that's out in Sycamore. Um, in um, DeKalb. Uh -huh. And then also he was the director, uh, the founding director for the uh, Jazz Jazz Ravinia Scholars Program. So. Um, so teaching was a, was always a part of, and it will always be. I think it's it's a it's teaching definitely teaches you something about yourself, and um, you know because you definitely should be mirroring what you what you what you're telling your students. <laughs> so um, so you know the the creative thing is is what uh, drives me because it's always something that I've had. So I've been creating music for a very long time. Um, and it's the most satisfying the aspect of it, especially hearing the musicians play your music um, and sharing it and seeing other people enjoy it is, is a really, really satisfying um, aspect of, of my music career. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so how does your work as um, an educator really animate or influence your pieces? Um, I can't say it influences my pieces, but I, it, um, what I've learned about um, preparing and practicing, I can um, share with the students. Um, you know, my dad really taught me how to practice because my final year of college, I was doing my student teaching, I had to write my thesis, and I had still had some coursework to do. So you have to really, um, time management, <laughs> you know, and you guys know it in college, it's the same thing. Um, but um, my dad would say he didn't like to practice, but he likes the results, and that's what really stands to mind. And then also, he, when he, he passed 2017, he was actually in New York City about to perform at Disney's Place, which is at Lincoln Center. Mm. And um, he's um, going to be a special guest of Marquise Hills, a fine trumpet. I think he's playing on this festival, too. Um, he's a product of Kenwood Academy also. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and, um, and so they were scheduled to play Disney's Place. My dad was coming out of the practice room about to go to sound check, cross the threshold, had a heart attack at 86 years old. So he literally practiced up until he died. So that means I've got a lot more practicing to do. <laughs> so um, so it's, it's, you know, this art form or anything, any skill set, it requires some discipline and dedication. And you just gotta, this type of music, you really just gotta love it because it's not, you know, paying you the same money money is uh, you know, little whoever, you know. <laughs> it's not so um, because it you know it requires more craftsmanship, you know. And sometimes um, I express to my students is the difference between fast food and fine dining, you know. So I said I'm giving you some fruits and vegetables and soup and salad, and, you know, let you. Chill and enjoy the meal, and the music that you're listening to is microwave. You know, you press a button. You know, you press a button. So, gotta get a balance. You know, I don't. You know, I, I got to tell them I don't. I'm not trying to hear the third movement of a symphony when I'm at a basketball game. You know, so you know, it works. Everything you just balance it out. You know. Um. So how do you think that the culture around jazz in Chicago impacted your development as an artist? Oh, Chicago has um, given my family a lot of opportunities to, to play in different formats because this is a place where um, we're in the you know, heart of America. We, everything comes through here, um, all kinds of different influences culturally. And um, so it, it allows one to you know, work on some things like I was during the 80s, got to play a lot of reggae and R&B and blues and and all that during my development. So if there there's pretty much any genre you want to do, pardon me, you can have an opportunity to participate in because every every major artist has to come through Chicago, you know. So you get an opportunity here and, and vibe with whatever you want to do, and a lot of majority of the um, of the tours that are out right now have a lot of musicians from Chicago, you know. So I mean, even Beyonce had 
he's Kahari Parker on drums. Um, so he's from Chicago. So it's like, um, yeah, I mean, we, we it's, it's a melting pot here. So we get to play everything from the, the Latin music if we want to, the rock, there's a, there's a rock audience here. You know, there's a grunge audience here. There's a hip hop audi audience here. So it's anything you really want here. That's one of the things I like about Chicago. You can, and then there's no generation gap here. Um, you know, I would consider, I'm not, you know, uh, among the younger musicians playing this music, but I'm able to, I'm able to play and hire the musicians. And um, Stephen Bowman, this, the bassist is playing with me. It's gotta be like 21. Um, so I met him when he was in seventh grade at Kenwood Academy wow. and wow. and told his parents one day I'm going to be able to hire him. Just recently graduated from Michigan State University. Now he's at Manhattan School of Music um, getting his master's. And he, he, after he already committed to doing this, he, he's flying back for this. And he's probably going to be doing some other things while here in Chicago. I know he's, he's on three dates with me. Um, this weekend is busy for me. Up two o'clock today at DeSalle Museum. Tomorrow I'm doing a jazz vesper service at Hyde Park Union Church, which is my home church, 5600 Woodlawn. It's actually in honor of my parents. Um, the series is about hope and and about social justice, which my parents definitely were um, um, active in. And then Saturday, Sunday evening, I'll be at the Bronzeville Winery, which is a nice uh, dining venue, five star type. Uh, place great food, flavor palette, uh, great wines that are by black owned vineyards. Um, 4420 South Cottage. So it's wonderful to have a venue like that on the South Side. And my music really does pair well with the dining experience. Um, and, um, and wine too. Um, I consider myself a little. <laughs> I like wine. My dad and I did too. He would bring stuff back from his travels as well. Um, but yeah, so this weekend is kind of busy for me and I'm happy to say that. And, uh, also on drums with me this afternoon is a great Charles Heath. You might've seen him. He's actually the last touring drummer with Ramsey Lewis, but he's in and out of town with all kinds of musicians. He's just a fantastic musician and just outstanding to play with. And he really, I love the way he plays my music. So, um, I'm looking forward to this afternoon. It's always good to play literally in your backyard, you know, mm -hmm. among your peeps, you know. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You just yesterday, Greg and I interviewed Equa Colson. I don't know if you know who that is. Um, she's a musician. She was in, I believe, the second graduating class at Kenwood Academy. Okay, wow. <laughs> Can you speak to what, I don't know, the environment of Kenwood Academy? I know oh, it's yeah, one of the yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right by you. Yeah, tradition I you know especially musically and but academically as well we have really fine teachers there and the faculty and they and you know before the whole social emotional learning was a was a thing or a term we were already leaning into our students because if the kids don't think that you care about them it's gonna not be a good experience you know and fortunately I'm saying currently our faculty and when I was in high school I really had great teachers um, that really, you know, kind of gave you just what you needed um, as far as how to, you know, um, guide you and also how to challenge you. 
Um, but Kenwood, musically, my dad was the first band director then when they only offered band and choir. And the great Dr. Lena McGlynn, who's still alive, she's 93, mm. um, highly published choral music uh, composer, um, was really a great department chair. And my dad's band played the groundbreaking ceremony for the building that we're in right now. I only really confirmed that because he told me that, but I didn't remember. But uh, Howard Reich of the Tribune did a documentary on us. It's on YouTube right now called Kenwood's Journey. And it talks about the history of the uh, music department. And uh, it was also um, kind of uh, documented the Pro, uh, project that we did with artistic director of jazz at Lincoln at Kennedy Center, Jason Moran, and uh, this project allowed our students to um, have an opportunity to, to play at Kennedy Center, um, form there with Jason Moran, um, and prior to that we played the Symphony Center with the project that he did, and then later on his wife had another project where we are now also included the orchestra. So. Um, Jason Moran is a very, uh, very fine visionary, visionary and an outstanding pianist and a Mark MacArthur uh, Fellowship winner. Um, just, uh, you know, was really took Kenwood under their under his wing and gave them lots of opportunities. The opportunity to perform at the Kennedy Center with him and Symphony Center and also brought us into the studio. In addition to that, paid each student $250 so they can have the real experience of what it's like to be a musician, to work on a project from start to finish. So, and we continue to thank him. We can't thank him enough. Now you mentioned that Chicago is somewhat of a melting pot. I'm curious if like there, um, I don't know. So there are characteristics of music in Hyde Park that differs from elsewhere in Chicago. Um, I just say that being in Hyde Park, you get to be around lots of different people. It's you know kind of a think tank because of university, um, and there are, you come in contact with people from different cultures, obviously, and you know that creates dining experience. Um, I'm like a foodie type person anyway, so um, you know for me, I just think that this neighborhood is just represents really kind of like my outlook in life. You know we. It's a concerted effort in this neighborhood and has been for a very long time to be able to dwell and 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 live with people of, of different viewpoints, different outlooks and different interpretations of life and just be and let them be <laughs> and live together be, because you want to just be you and not you know, have any real kind of uh, boundaries in terms of of how you feel about things as long as you're um, allowing other people to be themselves and uh, appreciate the differences, you know, and respect the differences. And that's been something that I've, I've, I've experienced lifelong being here, you know, and that's why I've had, I've had friends from any, every continent pretty much, you know. Yeah, this might be a really hard question to answer, but if you could summarize what jazz means to you, what does it truly mean to you? It means, ultimately, um, when you're playing with a group of people, you all decide 
have decided that you are uh, making an effort to create a space for everybody to express themselves. And is democracy on the bandstand instantly because there is no competition. You're, it's, a, it's a joint effort to create something that we enjoy and hopefully those who are listening enjoy. Uh, j jazz is a word that was not actually um, given to the music by the musicians who actually created it. Um, so this music has its roots in the black experience and um, the black experience has always been um, a collective and a communal effort and that's what I think ultimately it was a oftentimes um, a, a pushback on a system that was not allowing them to be themselves. And um, it took elements of what we had already, which is European music that had already um, had a pedagogy and uh, presence was set in terms of harmony and theory, but um, improvisation allows us to improve upon um, what is already happening. Yeah. Right. And then one last question. Uh, if you could share a message from the Hyde Park or Chicago jazz community to the world, what would it be? I'd say um, let's work together. Let's, I mean, we, we can do better. Let's, let's work together. We can do better. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Once again, I'm Jake. I'm Greg. And I'm William. It's a pleasure being with you all. It's a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for taking the time. All righty.